Welcome to All Places Together. Here we believe that our stories are connected to one another and rooted in God's radical love for diverse creation. Wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are, take a deep breath. We're at the table with Jesus. This story is called Loved at the Table. We eat to survive, to nourish our bodies for daily work, play, and rest. And we also eat to celebrate, right? People use meals to mark all types of occasion. Earlier in this series, we've talked about birthday parties, and we also have special meals to mark weddings, graduations, and promotions. We share meals to say hello and to say goodbye, both before and after travel, when we're moving, and when we are born and when we die. Baby showers and funeral meals take on a variety of forms in different parts of the country and around the world. Meals can even be a part of our religious tradition, either directly as in we eat this particular thing on this day for this reason, or more generally that we just gather with family and friends on this day to celebrate a particular holiday and we eat whatever. This is true for us today, and it was true for Jesus too. In addition to all the types of meals and tables that we've talked about so far in this series, Jesus also participated in the traditional meals of the Jewish faith. One of the most important of these meals is Passover. This meal is a way of telling the story of God liberating the Jewish people from slavery in Egypt. The story of Moses, Aaron, and Miriam coming to understand God's call for them. Their negotiations with Pharaoh, preparations for the journey, and then finally leading the people out of enslavement into freedom. The story of Passover and the Passover meal were foundational to Jesus and his contemporaries, and they remain important to Jewish folks today, too. So one particular year, the third year of Jesus's public ministry, he gathered with his disciples in Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. In many ways, Jesus was doing what he had done every year for his whole life. He was gathering with those he loved to tell the story of God's liberating love. But in at least one significant way, Jesus was doing something very different this time around something that he had never done before and he would never do again. He was gathering for the Last Supper he would share before he was betrayed, arrested, and crucified. So this night, this meal was a big deal. I'm going to read about this meal from the Gospel of John. Here, the Last Supper takes place on the day before the Passover, Other Gospels say that it happened on Passover. So regardless of whether or not it was on the actual festival day isn't as important to what we're going to talk about. Just that Passover is near and they are in Jerusalem to celebrate it. Also in the Gospel of John, this meal and the conversation that happens at that table is so important to the author that they write about it for a full five chapters. There are 21 chapters in the whole book, and five of them (laughs) describe this meal. 
Needless to say, like a whole other podcast series could be based on this meal alone. However, for today's conversation, we're just going to focus on the first part of it. And because of length, I'm not actually going to read the whole first portion here. There's a section in the middle that describes the actions of Judas, the disciple who goes to betray Jesus to the religious authorities. I'm skipping that part, but I'll let you know when I'm skipping it. So here is the 13th chapter of John, verses 1 to 16, and then 31 to 35. I'm reading from the Common English Bible. Before the festival of Passover, Jesus knew that his time had come to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them fully. Jesus and his disciples were sharing the evening meal. The devil had already provoked Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to portray Jesus. Jesus knew the Father had given everything into his hands and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the table and took off his robes. Picking up a linen towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a wash basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel he was wearing. When Simon came to Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You don't understand what I'm doing now, but you will understand later. No, Peter said, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, Unless I wash you, you won't have a place with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus responded, Those who have bathed need only to have their feet washed because they are completely clean. You disciples are clean, but not every one of you. He knew who would betray him. That's why he said, Not every one of you is clean. After he washed the disciples' feet, he put on his robes and returned to his place at the table. He said to them, Do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you speak correctly because I am. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you too must wash others' feet. I have given you an example. Just as I have done, you must also do. I assure you, servants aren't greater than their master, nor are those who are sent greater than the one who sent them. This is then the section where we hear about Judas and him getting up from the table and leaving. So I'm picking up again at verse 31. Then Judas was gone, and Jesus said, Now the human one has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify the human one in himself and will glorify him immediately. Little children, I'm with you for a little while longer. You will look for me, but just as I told the Jewish leaders, I also tell you now, where I am going, you can't come. I give you a new commandment. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you must also love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples, when you love each other. There is so much in this text, but in order to begin to appreciate it fully, 
We need to spend a few moments learning about the ancient custom of foot washing. Based on the work of biblical scholar Amy Jill Levine, we know that there are several layers to what is happening here. And what's not happening here is a hygiene thing. Like, yes, their feet would have been dirty from wearing sandals, but the act of foot washing here is not about cleaning the dirt off. Instead, the act of foot washing is about purification and hospitality. And with Jesus as the washer, it's also a sign of radical topsy-turvy love. In Leviticus, a book in the Hebrew Testament, among the instructions written for priests and high priests, there are instructions to wash their hands and feet before entering the holy spaces. They were also to wash their hands and feet for the Days of Atonement. So in the Jewish tradition, foot washing can be seen as a sign of ritual purity that developed from this point in Leviticus. So there is a layer of this ancient purity ritual here in what Jesus is doing. Another layer is a tradition of hospitality that comes from Genesis, the first book of the Hebrew Bible. In Genesis 18, Abraham brings water for special guests to wash their feet with. Abraham is sort of like the faith foreparent of all Jewish people, Christians, and Muslims too. So he is a pretty important figure in our faith history. And the special guests here in this story are messengers from God. Some people even think that they're angels. And so with this story, there begins a hospitality tradition of foot washing. So there's this layer of hospitality in what Jesus is doing for the disciples as well. However, regardless of the purpose for a foot washing in Jesus's time, there were cultural practices that dictated how it was supposed to be done. Either someone washed their own feet or someone who had a lower social status would wash their feet for them. This meant that servants, slaves, or women would be the ones to wash the feet in the household. Never, I mean never, would someone of a higher social status wash the feet of someone who had a lower status. And so this is where we really begin to be able to make sense of Peter's reaction to Jesus when Jesus comes to him to wash his feet. Yes, it's an important ritual act and a meaningful act of hospitality, But above all, Peter was astounded that his rabbi, his teacher, would do this for him. Like, that doesn't make any sense to Peter. But this is what Jesus is doing in the moment. And Jesus said, kind of like, it's going to be okay. We're going to do this. And then in classic Peter fashion, he goes to the other extreme and he's like, wash all of me. And Jesus is like, we don't need that. Just the feet will do. Like, you're part of the team. It's okay. You're like part of the team of the followers of Jesus. And so then following this radical foot washing and Judas's departure, Jesus then says these powerful words. I give you a new commandment. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, love one another. For me, expanding the phrase, just as I have loved you, 
enables me to understand the depth, scope, and extent of this command. And within the immediate context, loving one another means humbling yourself to take on tasks that are, quote, below you. Just like Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. And loving one another means to even do these tasks for your enemies, for people who will or have maybe even betrayed you, like Jesus washing Judas's feet. But then as we look back on Jesus's life and ministry at who he loved and how he loved them, the radical inclusive nature of Jesus's love becomes more clear. Jesus loved those who were sick, marginalized, and outcast by healing them of that which others cast them out for and by restoring them to community. He touched those that others would not touch. Jesus loved women who were seen as property by the men in their lives by listening to them, teaching them, celebrating their gifts, and sending them out as disciples and preachers of his love. He treated women like people. Jesus loved those who were hungry by feeding them and by teaching his disciples to do the same, and to teach us to give water to those who are thirsty, clothe those who are naked, visit those who are imprisoned, and care for those who are sick. Jesus loved the people of the world so much that he was about to die on a cross to stand up to the forces of the empire that oppressed and dehumanized the people of the world. Jesus loved his disciples by calling them, teaching them, keeping them safe from storms, and now trusting them with this new commandment to love each other as he loved. So you see, this commandment is not just about feeling warm and fuzzy towards other people. It's about radically inclusive love that God has for each person. And then it's about following in Jesus's footsteps to embody the love in the world in the ways that Jesus did. And there are countless ways that this could look in our daily lives in the 21st century. But I have just a few for us to think about together today. We embody God's love by treating people with dignity and respect, celebrating the intersection of diversity that is in each individual, and by following their lead in increasing justice and accessibility for them. We embody God's love by doing what we can to nourish those in need, to care for those who are sick, and to visit those who are isolated. By working against and even abolishing systems that oppress, maintain poverty, and feed the school-to-prison pipeline. We embody Jesus' love by caring for the environment and fighting against climate change that is currently causing both fire and flood to ravage the world in record numbers at record rates. Loving one another, how Jesus loves us, is really hard. It's a lot, right? And the truth is that we aren't going to do it perfectly. We can't do it all. But as individuals, we're not supposed to. Yet together, in the body of Christ, Jesus' love united in us can do incredible things in our neighborhoods, in our communities, 
and all around the world. I hope you'll spend some time thinking this week about what it means to you to be loved by Jesus in this incredible way and the ways that you love others following in Jesus' footsteps. This example of radical love and instruction to love in the same way was one of the final acts of Jesus that he shared with his disciples before his crucifixion. At this goodbye meal that also marked the Passover, Jesus wanted to be sure that his disciples remembered his love for them and that they knew his hopes for how that love could change the world. No matter the occasion, whenever we come to the table with Jesus, we too are fully loved as we are. There is nothing about us, nothing we have done, or nothing that can be done to us that can stop Jesus from loving us. Jesus' love comes to us in ways that forgive us, heals us, comforts us, nourishes us, and sustains us. And it's this love that brings us into the wider community of Jesus' followers to share love in the world in that same way. To share love when we're at the table and when we leave the table too. From our first meal with Jesus until our last, we are always loved, whoever and however we are. Amen. A prayer for love. Loving God, you showed and taught your disciples what your love is like. Your love is forgiveness for that which feels unforgivable. Your love is healing for those who are brokenhearted or hurting. Your love is nourishment for all those who are hungry and thirsty. Your love is new life following death. Send us your love every day and open us up to all the ways that your love is moving in the world around us. Empower us to share your love with all whom we encounter, whether they are family, friends, co-workers, acquaintances, or even strangers. Let us be embodiments of your radical love for diverse creation. Amen. Thank you for joining us at All Places Together. If you heard yourself or someone you know in these stories today, we hope you heard God too. I've got some exciting news. This month, All Places Together will be launching a new ministry to come alongside congregations who also share God's radical love for all people. Mother Hen Media Ministries is this name of this ministry of All Places Together. 
and Mother Hen will provide social media services and support for inclusive congregations. Mother Hen will be launching later this month with some free resources for the month of September. So if you are a pastor, deacon, or a leader of a congregation and you are looking for some social media help, I hope you'll check out Mother Hen as a way to both share God's love for all people and creatures and also as a way to support all places together. I'm also thrilled to share an update on our fundraising project for a private social media network. We are almost there. Thanks to the contributions of many, we're just a couple hundred dollars away from our goal. The plan is to do a final update live at our Zoom communion here at the end of the month. And this week, the email registration for our Zoom communion went live. I hope that you'll join us on Monday, August 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern. We'll gather for a time of sharing our stories of prayer and of communion. And the table is open to anyone who wants to come. If you want to come and have communion, please join us. And if you want to come and not take communion, you're not sure about that yet, that's okay too. Anyone who is a part of the All Places community is welcome to come, whether you are a regular listener, a first-time listener, anywhere in between. Your seat is ready. I'm ever grateful to our mission partners, the Virginia Synod, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and supporters like you who have already shared and continue to share generously with all places together. Your financial contributions enable this podcast to happen and for love to spread around the world. If you've not made a gift before and you like to, you can just go to our website, allplacestogether.org. Scroll to the bottom where it says Give to All Places Together and you'll be redirected to our giving platform. We know it can be hard to give financially. We celebrate all of the ways you share the stories of All Places Together with the people in your life. And we celebrate all of the ways that you engage with us online throughout the week too. I hope this week you'll find a way to intentionally share God's love with someone. Maybe by contributing school supplies to students in your area, writing letters in support of people with uteruses' right to choose their health care, or by sharing an episode of All Places Together with someone who has questions about faith. Let them know that they are so very loved by God and by you. And until next time, remember that God loves you wherever, whoever, and however you are. <laughs>